Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Welcome to another episode of the Hockey Royalty Podcast. Uh, I'm going to be your host tonight, right? Like Scott Kinville is out on uh, call tonight. We are the unofficial Rink Royalty Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Rink Royalty or our podcast account at Royalty underscore, underscore pod. We've got a big show for you guys today. We're really excited. We got Tony Ferrari from Doubter Prospects on with us today. Tony, how you doing? Not bad, guys. Not bad. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We've been looking yeah, no, no problem. I'm looking forward to coming on with you guys, talking some prospects. Yeah, so let's just get started right off the bat. I mean, <clears throat> uh, how'd you get involved with Doubter Prospects? Just kind of take us from uh, the moment you were born to right now. <laughs> Well, 27 <laughs> well, years ago, yeah, 27 <laughs> years ago in Ottawa, Ontario. No, Ottawa, yeah. nice. Yeah, actually, yeah, I was born in Canada's capital, but uh, no, with Dauber Prospects, it was actually my second go around at writing. I, I was 
doing some football blogging and stuff when I was about 20 and uh, stopped that for a little while and then decided uh, I'm going to throw my hat into the hockey ring and uh, just start doing some little blog stuff. And uh, I was approached by the managing editor at the time, Cam Robinson, who actually just left and I took over for. And uh, he's like, hey, you want to come write for uh, Darver Prospects? Maybe do some Minnesota Wild Prospects? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'd love to do the most boring team in hockey. And uh, that that ended up turning into a uh, bigger role. I took over a lot of the draft content. And now, yeah, I'm the managing editor there. And it's been fun. Uh, tons of draft stuff. Uh, the site's primarily focused for uh, fantasy hockey, but over the last year, year and year and a half, myself and Cam really started gearing things towards the NHL draft and putting most of our focus there because it's just what people want. Yeah, I noticed uh, Cam kind of stepped aside and you took over, so I want to congratulate you on the managing editor position. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you. Um. <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, the draft prospect, every time I go to look for, you know, someone in the draft, I see a profile that's already written. You know, how often are you doing these articles? Oh, man, the profiles we get, we try to get done at least a couple a week. And uh, we start with the top guys and work our way through the through our list on our own. And then we're doing articles all the time and stuff as well. Um, I just put out my rankings last week. Uh, that was my personal rankings. No one's. Real like I talk to other people too, but the input's all mine and evaluations are all mine. And then our, our scouting team, which has 15 uh, scouts from all over the world, Sweden, Finland, uh, all over the U.S. and Canada, uh, they're putting out their rankings next Monday coming up. So uh, that, that should be fun. Uh, they're doing a top 100. So there's a ton of content coming out that way. Nice. How long does it take you um, to scout one prospect? Obviously, uh this is a small sample size, but let's say you get a collection of videos or something. And obviously, in person isn't really an option uh, for the most part right now. But in general, how long does it take you to scout one prospect and then produce an article? Well, it, it depends on the prospect, really. And, and it goes back to basically their draft minus one. Usually in most years, this year's like you said, it's a, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit weird. But most years I'm, I'm trying to be in the rinks. Like I, I live in Windsor, Ontario. So I'm 45 minutes away from Plymouth where the national under uh, national team development team plays. Uh, I've got the Spitfires and a bunch of OHL teams right around me. So I'm constantly at rinks and whatnot. And uh, and then I'm just primarily on video as well outside of my region. Like I, I'm not getting paid to travel or anything like that as much as I'd love to fly to Europe and watch the world juniors or something like that. All my work's done mostly on video. So I rely on Instat and programs like that to uh, get the video from all these guys around the world. But yeah, it usually starts in their draft minus one. Like I try not to put much uh, stock into uh, put it, putting out articles and stuff like that, but I, I start paying attention usually in about January to the kids who are draft eligible the following year. So right now I've started looking at some of the 2022 guys already, but um, usually by the time uh, the new season rolls around and, and the, uh, the previous draft is over, I've got at least a decent handle on who the top guys are for the next year. And uh, coming out of that, yeah, it's just watching tons of games. Uh, I, I Like I said, Instat's a great help. I'm able to like watch two or three games a night with, with no problem. And a lot of times I'm up late anyways, my wife works midnight. So she leaves and I'm like, yeah, I'll definitely be in bed by midnight and 2 AM rolls around <laughs> and I'm watching some kid in Finland or something. Right. Like it, it's just one of those things where I, it's, it's a lot of video, but yeah, it's a couple hours of work at least to get a good handle on a kid. If you're watching two or three games and, and trying to get the the knowledge from what the kid's doing on the ice. Cause Man, these kids change a lot and really fast over at this age, so it's not always easy. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely get that. I'm in Chicago, uh, so a lot of the Kings games are 9, 9.30 starts. Uh, thankfully, they were kind of pushed back half hour this year to 9 o'clock. But, yeah, I'm up till, like, midnight. So it can be uh, it can be a grind, and you definitely take kind of the off nights. You know, I'm going to bed at 9. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't know. Uh, uh, it's an hour worse for me because I live in Toronto. And, and Tony, by the way, I grew up in Ottawa. So, uh, but... Uh, no, 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 uh, no, no. Um, uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's like usually on the game days, uh, you know, I take like two, three hour naps. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, naps are definitely key to to doing this because there, there's so many days where like I get home from work because I still have a day job. Like I, I wish I could yeah. be doing this full time, but it's not one of those things. And I'm lucky. My day job, I, I have some freedom where I'm able to even watch games while I'm at work and, and doing mm-hmm. stuff there. So. That helps a ton. I'm not able to take as many notes, obviously, but I'm able to get at least a couple of views on guys. But yeah, there are definitely days where I come home and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a couple hours nap on the couch because I know I'm going to be up late watching a Colorado game or a Kings game or, or, or I'm up watching the Ontario rain or something like that. So um, I'm always up watching hockey like late at night because that, that's usually when it's getting played and no one's watching those West Coast games out here on the East Coast. Uh, <laughs> got, East Coast guys are pretty soft, so... Yeah, and that's, I mean, I was kind of going to ask you that question if this was kind of your, your uh, full-time gig. Do you mind me asking what you do for a day job? I'm a CNC operator, so I, I basically what I do is I, I program some uh, I program on, on a computer, send it to a bigger machine, and the machine essentially cuts the metal that I put inside of it. Um, the, pro, uh, the company I work with does uh, stress diffraction x-rays, so what they basically do is anything like where like a bridge structure, they'll test out the beams for it. Um, the new, the new bridge coming up here in Windsor, Detroit, uh, we've gotten products sent to us from there and we do testing on that as well and stuff like that. So it's a really interesting job because it's, it's, uh, manufacturing, but it's not related to automotive. Like a lot of stuff here in Windsor, Detroit area is. So, um, I got a little bit of security that way. And like I said, it's nice cause I'm able to throw a part in the machine and, then I've got an hour to kill and I can throw on a game. And my, my boss usually doesn't mind. He'll walk up and go, what are you watching now? And I'm like, oh, I'm watching Czech league hockey. And he goes, what are you doing with your life, man? Like <laughs> the best, <laughs> best, best thing in the world. <laughs> exactly. Czech league. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I guess let's go ahead and dive into some of the LA <clears throat> Kings prospects. I mean, that's why we're all fans of that. I, I guess I'll take a quick step back. You know, Tony, are you, do you, do you have an alliance with a specific NHL team? Are you a fan of one? I am a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, sadly. Sure. I hate it. Okay. Um, it's just <laughs> it's an infliction that I was born with, and this is how I am. But, yeah, I, I'm a Leafs fan, but I, I watch a lot of hockey just in general. Like like I said, I'm up every night watching the LA Kings. or uh, I, I don't know how many times I've watched a Kings-Ducks game and in the middle of the game going, man, why am I watching this? Or, or I'm watching yeah. something else like – uh, there, there's tons of times like I watch a lot of Ottawa Senators hockey and that's painful to do. And I don't know why I do it exactly, but uh, I, uh, Tony, if I can jump in, if it makes you feel any better and I'm sure I can speak for Ryan and Russell. Uh, uh, um, uh, 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 no, no. Um, yeah. Uh, for years, it was very difficult being a, a Kings fan because there were a lot of losing seasons uh, <laughs> there as well. So uh, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, um yeah, just for the long-suffering um, regard, uh, you were definitely not alone there. So, <laughs> uh, Tony, I wanted to gauge your thoughts also on kind of the divisions right now with the, in regards to the Leafs. 
Um, obviously, they're off to a pretty hot start. Austin Matthews is, a, is on some kind of terror. Um, I guess, what are your overall thoughts about the way uh, that the divisions are set up and how that kind of presents a unique uh, scenario for the playoffs? Well, it's it's a weird situation this year. Like everyone looks at the Canadian division and, and it gets flocked for being the, the shittiest division. Like, let's be honest. It's, it's, it's a division that doesn't have much defense. And that's the way I think it's better to look at that. It's a crappy division because these teams are scoring at in, insane rates. So even though it's not a division that you're seeing a whole lot of shutouts in Toronto's still up near the top of the league in terms of like uh, goals against and in preventing goals. So it's one of those situations where I'm like, yeah, they're in a, a bit of a soft division, but I mean, any division that also has Detroit in it soft. And, and you look at the, like Tampa's division isn't the greatest. And in Boston's uh, quality of competition, when you look at the the win-loss percentages and stuff, it, it's actually worse than Toronto's division. So every every division has some pretty crappy teams in it. Um, Canada's division just happens to be scoring out of the roof because no one has a good goalie, basically. And that's just <laughs> what it is, right? So um, it, it's a unique situation. It's going to be a fun situation. Um, I look at it and go, well, they can't lose to Boston in the first round in game seven again this year. So who's it going to be? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So to the, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the Kings prospects. <laughs> you know, let's start with the crown jewel, Quentin Byfield drafted second overall in the 2020 NHL draft. You know, <clears throat> I wanted to gauge your thoughts on, where he's at right now, what you see in him and kind of areas that he still needs to improve. He's with the Ontario Reign right now just because the OHL season hasn't started. I guess based on those questions that I've already asked you, do you think it's more beneficial for him to potentially go back down to the OHL uh, for 24 games or should the Kings promote him? It's a tough situation because ideally I think you'd want him at the AHL level. Um, I actually just wrote something today that went out that kind of explored some different possibilities with the CHL uh, NHL agreement, because right now uh, it's up after this year, the, the, the it's been extended before. So it'll probably get extended again, realistically, but there's options like they can, they can do something where after this season, they can start allowing maybe every four years, a team gets like one player permit or something, and they can allow one teenager to play at the AHL level because in the case of a guy like Quentin Byfield or Seth Jarvis this year, both those guys are they're over the, the CHL. Let's be honest. Both of them were scoring over 1.8 points per game last year in their respective leagues, the OHL and WHL. Um, Seth Jarvis was leading the AHL in scoring. Quentin Byfield's a point-of-game player at the AHL level. These guys aren't junior players anymore. Like it, It's going to be – it's not necessarily going to be detrimental to their development, but it's certainly not going to be a year that they're gaining a ton. Um, I think both guys should be at the AHL level – Unfortunately, it's probably not going to happen. If I'm the Kings, though, I probably just go. You know what? We're not making the playoffs this year. Like we're not gunning for it. Like we're hey, having a decent. Hey, 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 hey listen, hey. listen. <laughs> You're having a good start. You're having a good start, and that's a nice thought. Like it, it, it is. It, it's good. But this isn't a year where you're going to win the Stanley Cup. Is that that's a little bit more fair? I, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, with as weird this season been as possible, but uh, but the likelihood. Very low. I'll admit it. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's a nice start. Like, I'll, I'll say that. Like, the Kings have been fun to watch this year. Um, <laughs> certainly better than I expected. But it, it's one of those years where you know you're not necessarily going to win the Cup. This isn't a, a go-for-it year. So, if I'm the Kings, I probably just keep Quentin Byfield up on the NHL roster because sending him back to the OHL, like, like, I, like I wrote in the article today, he had 1.89 points per game, I think, last year. 
um, 82, 89 points in 45 games or something like that. Like it's just a ridiculous clip. Like you don't need to play at that level anymore. Um, like I said, ideally at the AHL level, but you know what, after some seasoning in the AHL to start the year right now, like he's getting, maybe the, the promotion to the NHL level isn't going to be as big a step. I still wouldn't expect huge production or anything like that, but this kid's got the talent. Like I, there's no reason that a six foot four, 215 pound kid with the skill and size and speed he has can't play at the NHL level, at least in a third line role. So if I'm the Kings, I let him season in the AHL as long as I can until the OHL decides to come back. But the day the OHL announces they're coming back, he's coming up to the big club in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, we also talked in the last podcast, if he gets sent back down to the OHL, regardless of production or what have you, there's, there's still that adjustment period of having to play with some new faces and getting acclimated for five, six games. And you're already a quarter into the way of the season. You know, what benefits does that really do for him? Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like there is a a point of diminishing returns when he goes back to the OHL. Like he's not this, if he goes back to the OHL, his development essentially ends the day he leaves the AHL. Um, Like I said, going to the NHL would probably be best for him because you get him around Andre Kopitar, you get him around Drew Doughty, you get him around these guys that have been there before they've won. They, and and like you said, they're having a good start. If they continue this on through 30 or 25 games, 30 games, you're like, okay, like, hey, maybe this is a thing. Like, maybe this is something we can actually compete. Maybe we can get some of these young guys some some playoff experience. Like, who cares if you go out in round one this year if you have Quentin Byfield, Samuel Fagamo, and Akil Thomas sitting there playing meaningful minutes for your team going into the playoffs or even just competing for that playoff spot. Like, this could be really valuable minutes for them. And, and like I said, being around Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, these guys that have been there before, it's certainly not going to hurt any of these guys. No. Yeah, and kind of, kind of the follow-up that I want to talk about here is, you know, I see uh, Alexis Lafreniere and Tim Stutzla playing for uh, the Rangers and the Senators, respectively. You know, obviously, Quentin Byfield is still down with the a- AHL club. Um, I guess, what uh, vote of confidence can you kind of instill in Kings fans that uh, Quentin Byfield was the right choice, uh, that he's still going to project along maybe the next, um, Andre Kopitar or Evgeny Malkin or even as far as Nathan McKinnon I'll say you know well what I'll say is this the the start that both those two have had Lafreniere and Stutzla it's, it's been a weird one because Stutzla's performing he's producing he's putting numbers on the board but if you look at any of the metrics that kind of dictate it, whether he's driving play whether he's playing any defense at all and he, he's dead last in the league pretty much across the board. Like he, he's getting really lucky. He's getting some shots that don't generally go in. Um, and the talent helps. Like he's a talented, talented kid. He was my favorite player to watch in last year's draft, just in terms of just the electrifying game he played. But there's holes in his game all over the place. And, and then in on the reverse, Alexi Lafreniere is having a great year to start in terms of being able to drive play. He's one of New York's best players at actually keeping the puck in the offensive zone, getting shots on net and driving possession. It's just, he's not getting the puck luck. So it's going the opposite way. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see those, those two kind of the rest of the, the way, but w- with Quentin Byfield, I think he's, he's still got the highest ceiling in the draft. In my opinion, he was my second ranked player last year. And I said it all year long. He was f- closer to first than he was to third. And my third ranked player was, wasn't Tim Stutzla. So it, it, it was, to me, it was a no-brainer pick at two. Um, if you you're looking for a comparison for our for Quentin Byfield, the the best one I've heard is actually from from my buddy Will Scouch, and he's like he's the playmaking version of Austin Matthews. 
they play a very, very similar game. But instead of scoring 40 goals, Quinton Byfield's going to try to rack up 80 assists. It, it's going to be one of those games that in the shot's not bad. Like that's the other thing. Quinton Byfield still got a wicked shot. So I, I think Quinton Byfield still got the highest ceiling in the draft. I, I toyed with him having, having him as my number one player, but I couldn't quite do it. But he, like I said, he was closer to number one than he was to three and, and Stutzel was number four. So who, uh, who was your number three? If I may ask, uh, Lucas Raymond, the Swede oh, that uh, Detroit okay. took. Yeah. I was a big okay. fan of him. He was uh, he's, he's a ton of fun. He's, a bit of a Patrick Kane, Mitch Marner type player. So I, it, with a better defensive game than either of those two guys even really. So I, I'm a big fan of Lucas Raymond. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Nice. I think uh, Russell had a question about uh, one of our other prospects. Yeah, for Russell. sure. Tony, awesome. You got, uh, Thanks for joining us. You guys at Dauber Prospects do uh, amazing work. I love reading your articles. And uh, But I wanted to tell you, you touched on Samuel Fagamo. That was one of my favorite Kings prospects that, I think a lot of uh, LA Kings fans kind of don't really understand or, or kind of underestimate it in terms of when you collect him with a Byfield or Kaliev or Turcotte or anything like that. But, I mean, he played pretty well in the 2020 World Juniors on that line with Niels Hoglander. And we see what Hoglander's doing in, with the Canucks right now. But um, when you see uh, Samuel Fagmo, what's the type of player in terms of comparison-wise that you see in the NHL? Because when I see him play, I think of more of like a Tyler Toffoli type player. So I was wondering, get your take on that. Yeah, Tyler Toffoli is not a bad comparison because he's a really good goal scorer. His shot is his key, right? Like that's the biggest thing with him is he's he's more than willing to get into those dirty areas and kind of just not necessarily bang away. He's not going to be a big checker necessarily, but he's going to be a guy that gets into those physical areas in front of the net and, and bangs the puck in the net. So um, I, I think Samuel Fagamo is a really fun player to watch. Like He's got a ton of energy to his game. And like you said, at that 2020 World Juniors, him and Niels Hoglander were fantastic together it was so fun to watch and man like this kid he's going to be one of those guys that he isn't necessarily going to be the star he's not going to be the guy that that uh that gets talked about with byfield and turcott and some of these other guys around the team but he's going to be that guy that's playing on on the line with one of those two centers he's going to be on one of those guys that he might even be able to get to into the top six a little bit faster than either byfield or uh, turcott because he's just able to adapt to whoever he's playing with. And that's what I think is really fun to watch about Samuel Fogamo's game is no matter who you put him with, he's able to fit on that line. And he, he's been one of my, he was one of my favorite players to watch in his draft year. Um, I think this kid's a stud. I think the LA Kings got a steal at 50, 50th overall when they drafted him. So um, I think he was just outside my first round that year at like 36 or 37. So, I mean, kudos to the Kings for stealing a prospect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it was a little bit of confusing. I mean, I, I want to get your take, or maybe you might know. It. What was the reason maybe he was overlooked in the 2018 draft? Was it was it because of injuries at that time? I know he was dealing with some problems in terms of over there in the European leagues. I, I honestly, I think it's just the natural thing that Europeans are always overlooked. Mm-hmm. Every team seems to overlook Europeans, except for Detroit, really. But <laughs> it, it's one of those things where every time, like almost every European on my draft board last year. I look at him and I'm like, all right, he went five picks late. All right, he went 10 picks later than, than what I would have taken him at. And you're, you're seeing a lot of these, like, like, I look at Ottawa's draft last year and they take Ridley Gregg in the first round. And I'm like, Ridley Gregg's a good player. But, like, there, there was a lot of talent left on the board <laughs> to take him. So it, it's just one of those things where I think Europeans are always notoriously underrated. Um, Samuel Fogma, like you said, he had a couple injuries. He had a couple, he's a bit of a streaky guy too, but offensive players are right. Especially when they're playing in leagues that they're not necessarily familiar with. 
in their draft year, a lot of times in Europe, they're going up and down from the men's league to the junior league to the second men's league. Like um, it's just one of those things where I I think it's just what it is. Like you look at Niels Hoglander or or not Niels Hoglander, sorry, uh, Samuel Fogmo's year in his draft year. And he played half his season with the draft, with the men's team and half the season with the, with the junior team. And then he played a few other games internationally and stuff like that. So it, it's not always easy to keep your keep your play going and keep your your play consistent because you're constantly switching teammates. You're constantly switching where you're playing and in how how often you're playing. Because when you go up with the men's team, you're playing 11, 12 minutes maybe. When you're playing with the junior team, you're playing 25. So it's a big difference in adjustment to the role that you're playing and, and all that stuff. So uh, I think, like I said, the Kings got to steal at 50. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him in the NHL, hopefully sooner rather than later. I mean, I think he's ready now. I mean, you saw what he can do in the men's league in Sweden. So I thought that there was a chance they could bring him up soon, but we'll see. He's doing pretty well in the AHL, so keep him there for now. Yeah, I think he's, like I said, I think he's a guy that you could see in the top six at some point this year just because he's adaptable. He can play whatever role. If you want him to be the playmaker, he can be, but he's going to have that shot on his line and and whoever he plays with. I mean, if he gets any time with Andre Kopitar, you could see – a decent little goal scoring streak, even from him, I wouldn't be surprised. Absolutely. Yeah, so Tony, kind of the next prospect that I want to jump to, and this was actually uh, Scott's uh, question, but he's out on call right now. Um, he wanted to focus in on Jordan Spence, uh, 2019 fourth round pick of the Kings. You know, the Kings director of amateur scouting, Mark Eddy, has been so good at kind of uh, plucking these mid round picks. Uh, and Jordan Spence is looking more and more like the next, uh, I'll call it, um, top six uh, defenseman on the L.A. Kings. You know, he was traded uh, from Moncton to, I'm going to screw this up so badly, but is it Valdor? Valdor, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Valdor. Yeah. But anyways, uh, it took him a little bit to get his footing, but he has uh, five points in his last five games, including two goals on uh, uh, this is this last night, I'm sorry, uh, including the overtime winner. Um, I guess, what do you see when you watch Jordan Spence? And can you give us a good kind of cr- uh, pro comparison? Jordan Spence is an interesting player. Like, he's a guy that in his draft year, I was really concerned about his defensive game because he is an undersized defenseman. And his his defensive effort wasn't always there uh, in his draft year. So, it, it, of course, any undersized defenseman that – um, isn't necessarily playing a whole lot of defense is going to get overlooked and going to get sent down draft boards. And, and that's how you get a player like this in the fourth round. But since then, you've seen a real maturity in terms of his his ability to start defending with his speed, defending with his feet, uh, using his stick more often. He's never going to be a physical presence necessarily. He's like 170 pounds maybe. So um, it, it's not going to be a, a big bone crusher by any means, but he's he's skilled with his stick. He, he's able to uh, knock pucks loose like, um, a player I think of in, in this may be a little bit of a high, comp- high comparison, but uh, is Ryan Ellis, who's a little bit undersized. Mm. He defends extremely well with his stick, but his, his trademark is just getting that puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone and then being able to do, do a few things offensively as well. I don't think uh, Jordan Spence is necessarily going to be a, a, a 50, 60 point defenseman, maybe, but if he's a 40 point defenseman, you're not complaining because like this right now, this guy's sitting over a, over a point a game in the, in the QMJHL this year. Um, he was on Canada's world junior team and, and when he got into games, he only got into a couple, but he looked really, really good. Um, I, I think Jordan Spence is a fun, fun player. Um, he's going to need some AHL development time. I think after the season, uh, he's going to probably play for the Ontario rain for a year, maybe even a year and a half or two, 
But it's going to be really interesting to see where his career goes because he does have all the tools to be this really, uh, really solid transition defenseman that can play defensively with his stick and, and, and just kind of understands the game and reads the game. And I think that's the biggest thing you've you've noticed since his draft year is the maturity and the, the the understanding that hey, you know what, I'm a defenseman. I still kind of have to play in that end of the ice. Yeah, and I mean he uh, he he was named to the accused uh, all rookie team in the eighteen nineteen season, and he was named the accused defenseman of the year last year so i mean he definitely is training in the right direction as you noted he played uh in the world juniors and scored the the lone goal i can't remember for the life of me who he scored against um but anyways uh just i want to kind of jump real quick to a guy that you actually helped me with uh kim newson um i was trying to figure out why he had only played five minutes 22 seconds in that particular game you dug up the film he took a pretty big hit in that game he was playing against. He's bounced back, and it looks like he has uh, one, two, three, five, seven, seven points in his last five games. I mean, the big knock on Newsom is he's he's a small guy, right? He's uh, he's uh, and he's twenty years old now. He hasn't played on the North American rink. Um, I guess. What do you see? in terms of Kim Newson and, and I should also mention he's still unsigned as well. Yeah. He's going to be an interesting one because I, I don't know exactly what he's going to be at the next level. And, and that's kind of the vibe I, I've been getting from since his draft year really is like, what exactly like there's a player there for sure. Like he has tools, he has talent, but you're like, you're not really committing defensively. You're not outstanding offensively for the most part. Like he's had a good little run here. And I, I think today it was that I seen a, a highlight of his goal. He scored where he walked around a, a defenseman pretty easily. Um, so I think the biggest question with him is, is I think they're going to sign him. That's not, I don't think that's going to be something that they're going to really let him go. He's a European. So I think they have a couple extra years even, but uh, it's going to be one of those guys where I think they're going to bring him over to the AHL and go, all right, let's figure out what you are because we don't know right now. Um, like I said, he's not really an outstanding offensive player. He's not an outstanding defensive player. He's a good transition player, but you're, you need something on top of being a good transition player, especially as a defenseman. So I, I think he's going to be a project in, I'm a big fan of Kimmy Newsonen's game. Uh, like I said, the tools are there. You, you kind of see what you could develop in him, but then you watch another game and you're like, all right, maybe I'll develop the exact opposite because he doesn't know what he's exact. He is exactly yet either. So um, he's playing against men at times in, in any time a young player plays against men, it, it, it's a bit confusing for them because they're a little bit overwhelmed. They're out strength, especially a guy like Kimmy Newsom and, and they're adjusting to that. Like I sent you the clip. We have seen him get kind of blown up at the blue line there and he's going to need to adjust to stuff like that. So uh, kind of picking his spots, understanding what he is and, and understanding what he's going to be next. So it's going to be an interesting development, but he's he's a guy that certainly is worth betting on and bringing over to develop. Yeah, and in that same clip, you know, he was uh, checked into the boards and poor guy was trying to skate up ice and he just got absolutely leveled. I'm not sure he knew where he was. Um, but uh, just off the cuff real quick, do you have uh, just a quick pro comp for Kim Nissenen? Uh, pro comp for him. That's a tough one because like I said, you don't know what he is, but I, I think if everything were to work out, you could get like a, a, a Justin Hall. Like that's a guy that I think took a long time to develop. He, he didn't know what the hell he was either. Cause he, he was, he was an offensive guy coming out of uh, coming out of the draft and stuff like that. And now he's one of Toronto's best defensive defensemen. So it, it's going to be a long haul. I think with Kimmy news and like, I wouldn't be shocked if, 
you don't see him until he's 24 because he needs to figure it out and needs to understand what he's doing at the next level, especially over on North American ice where it's going to be an adjustment with a, a bit of a smaller ice surface. Yeah. And historically, I mean, the Kings typically, this is back to Spence now, the Kings historically typically haven't drafted from the queue, but um, can you maybe kind of shed some light on why that is? Oh, I don't know. There, there's a lot of weird, like, uh, team trends like that. Like, I know uh, the Ottawa Senators, they draft every defenseman that decides to go to North Dakota. Um, New Jersey seems to draft out of the Ottawa 67 system all the time. And I think it's just a trait that, that teams sim- t- tend to pick up on. Maybe they're just they're not as trusting of their QMJHL scout or, or they just don't favor the style of play there. I, I mean... Out of all the three leagues in Canada, I hate watching the QMJHL because it, it's basically watching the the Russian Junior League, but with better players because there's not much defense there, and, and guys are shooting the puck from everywhere. And um, it, it's it's an interesting league to scout for sure because you watch a guy like Lafreniere dominate that league, and you're like, oh, he's a pro ready guy for sure, no no matter what. And I, I think, like I said earlier, I think Lafreniere has been good this year despite the points not really being there, but. There, there is an adjustment. The, the speed of the QMJHL isn't necessarily super high paced, despite the fact that it is super high scoring. Um, I think the fact that the QMJHL doesn't play a whole lot of defense probably plays into it, especially with the LA Kings. They've always been a team known to play pretty good defense, and drafting out of the QMJHL is risky when when you're looking for guys that know how to play defense. And uh, it's just probably one of those things that just happened to be happenstance. And, and Jordan Spence is a good player, so they were like, ah, we can't let him go. <laughs> yeah, and I was actually doing a bit of research today, just a, a topic that I'm working on, like redrafting the the 2013 Kings draft because they're really, I mean, besides uh, Dominic Kubalik, who is now with the Blackhawks, you know, there really wasn't anyone uh, notable from that draft. But one of the guys that stood out to me was Valentin Zykov, who yeah. um, taken yeah. in the second round, he put up 75 points in 67 games. Give a big uh, and the Q, yeah, and he just really never uh, kind of uh, developed into that uh, left winger that the Kings or uh, any other the, the Carolina Hurricanes or the Vegas Golden Knights, any you know any team that they wanted him to be. Um, so like, it just kind of goes along with what you were saying with the Q. Yeah, I just so. think it's it's one of those leagues that it's like. Out of all the leagues that you you watch, whether it's the OHL, WHL, even like the the Swedish and Finnish junior leagues, you you look at the QMJHL and go, that might be the furthest thing from pro hockey out of all four leagues. Like I said, it's it's a league where guys play and and, and it's obviously a good league. Like I'm not not I I make fun of it all the time, but in reality, it's, it's a good league. But like I said, it's probably the furthest thing stylistically from pro hockey. Um, the finish game is, is a little bit more defensive, so guys can come over and, and, and understand how to kind of play two ways. The, the Swedish game, you need to you need to be two way, or you're not getting played. Like, um, so there's a lot of really high end offensive players that just don't get the ice time because they don't commit defensively over there. So, um, the QMJHL, like I said, they, they let things up defensively. They don't they don't, uh, they don't uh, hold too much to their defensemen and stuff like that. So. It's probably that if I'm if I'm picking out anything from the, that league. Yeah, no just Tony. Tony, where do you see Casper Semenkovo fitting into the LA Kings organization next season? Well, he's he's a guy I love. I'm a big fan of Casper Semenkovo. He he was a guy that I think he was one of the best offensive players in the draft last year. I think in, in if someone rated him in the top twenty, um, 
I, I don't think that would have been crazy because this kid's ceiling is ridiculously high. Like when, when we were building his profile and Dobber prospects and uh, you look at him and, and right now we have an actual higher upside for him than even Sam Afagamo or something like that, because the, the ceiling for this kid is just ridiculous. He's so skilled offensively. He's got a great shot. He's such a silky smooth playmaker. He sees through the levels of the defense. Um, the, the thing with him is, he, he was hurt a lot last year. He's, oh, he's yeah. been hurt a lot the last few years. Um, he's a small guy, like a slender guy. It's not even that he's necessarily short. He's just really thin. He's a, a, a lanky kid. So it, it's really interesting to see like his development and see what he's going to do at the next level because, man, this kid's off offense is ridiculous. Like I could see him easily slipping on a first line left wing spot or a first line right wing spot, even depending on where he wants to play, because I've seen him play both wings. He's not a center. I don't think he's ever really going to be a center. So I'm not too worried about that, but the the skill this kid has, he's, he's ridiculously talented offensively. Like I said, silky smooth hands as a playmaker. It's really like this kid's a ton of fun. Like offensively, I, I think this kid had one of the highest ceilings in the draft, but it does come with that risk of like, yeah, he's, just a, a, a injured guy. It's not. It's one of those things. Yeah, and I mean, he had a really good showing at the World Juniors, playing with Anton Lundell uh, on the team, Finland's first line. You know, he scored. Uh, and I'm right here. Uh, I think it was four goals and three assists. Uh, anyways, he was drafted 66th overall. Do you think that was too high for him or too low? I think that was too low. Like, I, I think a lot of teams missed out on him. Um, I think I was one of the more aggressive people ranking last year, and I think I had him at 41 or 42. Um, so I did have him, I did have him in the second round, but he's a guy that, like, man, if you're just banking on upside, like, like I said earlier, Dobber Prospects originally started as a, a primarily fantasy focused website. If and if I'm somebody in a pretty deep fantasy league, and we have if I'm getting to pick like 25, 30. I'm looking at Simon Taivo because that guy, he's got a ton of, like I said, if he hits, he's a first line left, like left winger, right winger. It's, it's going to be fun to watch him kind of pair up with a guy like Quentin Byfield or Alex Turcott because man, like he's got the skill for it and he's got the dual threat ability to, to play with either of those guys. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Great. Kind of the, the last prospect I want to touch on uh, is Alex Turcott. You know, uh, with Trevor Zegras just graduating to the NHL. Um, and obviously, Turcotte's injuries and stuff have kind of limited him. But what do you see uh, as far as being the ceiling for Alex Turcotte? Do you see him being a 1C, one, one 2C? Man, I, I might be the wrong person to ask about this because I loved Alex <laughs> Turcotte in his draft year. Like, I was the, the guy pumping him so hard. I think I even had him rated third overall and on my board. Like, I was ridiculously high on this kid because when he was playing that year, he was so good. Like his scoring rate was right up there with Jack Hughes that year. Like it wasn't like Cole Caulfield and then him. It was Jack Hughes and then Alex Turcotte. Like Turcotte has a ton of skill. Like this kid doesn't get the credit for his skill because he's such a good two-way center. Um, When you're looking at this system right now, you look at who they have in Quentin Byfield is going to be that number one center of the future. I think, I don't think anyone's really doubting that, but if you're sitting there and you go, Oh no, Alex Turcotte's are number two. Like every team in the NHL is going to be pretty jealous if he, <laughs> if he hits because man at work, like at worst, I think this kid's going to be a, a, a really solid two way center that could be in the selfie conversation. Um, at best, I think he's one of those guys that you're looking at and you're like, he's a first line center on 25 other teams. 
Um, his offense, like I said, his offensive upside is really high. I think he's, he d- doesn't get credit for his offensive game because it's not the Trevor Zegers flashy going to try the lacrosse goal to get my first goal in the NHL type game, right? It, it's going to be the, hey, I'm sitting here in the slot and no one's around me because I just slipped into space or, um, hey, look at this. I, I got around a defenseman just because I outpowered him or something like that. Like he's going to be one of those guys that like we uh, you look at Anze Kopitar and out West, he probably gets a ton, a ton more love than he does out East. But out East, like there's so many people that just don't don't appreciate the game and the skill that he has. And, and when he does, then, then yeah, like, yeah, it's going to be one of those things. So I think Alex Turcott, if, if you're looking two, three years from now, Anze Kopitar is your second line center, maybe behind Quinton Byfield at that point. If Alex Turcott's coming in, he's your third line center. Like you're, you're laughing because that's the best center depth in the league. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned the slot too, because, uh, as the World Juniors progressed on, Alex Turcock got better and better and obviously had the game-winning goal for Team USA. And it was off a of puck uh, deflection. And where was he? In the slot, right in front of the net. He had good net presence. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, um, what I saw as I watched the uh, World Juniors unfold is he played an excellent 200-foot game, but he's not going to put up the numbers necessarily that Trevor Zegers might put up, I guess. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, that's fair. Like I wouldn't be shocked if Zegers is a guy that puts up 90 points in a season or something like that. And in Alex Turcott may top out at 70 or something along those lines. Like I said, he's, st- I think he still has a really high end offensive game, but with Alex Turcott, you're getting so much value outside of the offensive game. And that's where I think you're going to get the value with him. Uh, playing out West, those teams are usually always big. They're usually always heavy. You need that guy that's able to kind of just bust through the defense on, on, on a whim and, and score a goal or, or be that guy that just battles it out in front of the net and, and gets the puck. And Alex Turcott can be that, but he's also got the mitts to be able to dangle around a guy if, if, if a defender doesn't take him too seriously. Yeah, I mean, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you're kind of describing a Johnny Taves kind of player, like that 200-foot player who yeah. can play the defense and then you can play it who's got that offensive flair to his game as well. Yeah, Jonathan Taves and, and uh, I, I hate using Patrice Bergeron because the guy is like the best defensive center maybe ever, but <laughs> like Jonathan Taves is like one of the comparisons I used during his draft year because like I, I won't be shocked if Alex Turcotte's one of those guys that you're like, yeah, maybe like five, ten years from now, like Quentin Byfield has a C on his chest, but like Alex Turcotte's the guy that you're like, mm, maybe he's the actual guy that like you're looking at. Like right now in, in Toronto, you're looking at John Tavares with the C on his chest and everyone knows that's Austin Matthews team. And I'm not saying it's going to be Alex Turcotte's team over Quentin Byfield's, but you're going to look at Quentin Byfield and, and Alex Turcotte and you're going to go, those are clearly the two leaders on this team. Um, those are the guys that are either in the room telling the team like how things got to go or, or whatever it may be. But I think on, on most teams, Alex Turcott could be a captain pretty easily. Sounds like you're going to be a Kings fan coming up here soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. I, like, oh man. Like every, the last couple of years, every time the Kings have drafted, I'm just like, man, I'm going to have to buy another Jersey. Oh, it's like, yeah. It's Quentin, the excitement Quentin, uh, yeah. up a little bit. Quentin <laughs> Byfield got to get that uh, purple Jersey, baby. That thing's gorgeous. <laughs> That's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, those, those things are cursed though we can we have not won in two tries <laughs> yeah i know i yeah, see no, that it, it was one of the best looking games the other day when they played the wild and both teams wore their their reverse retros i was like oh that's just it beautiful was. yeah there's definitely a lot of color on the screen uh just back to taves real quick i mean it's funny that uh russell mentioned that because that's who i always envisioned alex turcott kind of becoming 
you know, kind of that 60 to 70 point guy, maybe 80 point guy if he has a really, really good year. Um, but he's going to be that leader in the locker room. He's going to be kind of that Dustin Brown type of guy. Maybe he no longer or he never does have a letter on his chest, as you noted. Um, but he's going to be that leader and that presence in that locker room that every team needs. Yeah, like I think Alex Turcotte's an exceptional player. Like I, I was a huge fan of him in his draft year, like I said. Um, when when he fell to, fell to the Kings, I guess you, you can't really fall <laughs> that far. It's pretty high in the draft still, but um he was a guy that i'm like man like the kings just again just stockpiling just great prospects right now and um everyone kind of pegged Bo and byram for them and then that that didn't happen and i I was sitting there like yes get that center death get that ridiculous center death and then of course the next year they draft quentin byfield and i'm like all right no one's gonna compete with their center depth yeah yeah, and just uh, one more follow-up on Turcotte. You know, there's been a lot of, I guess, trade speculation regarding Jack Eichel, or uh, a recent report came out that the Kings were looking for uh, a dynamic young defenseman. Do you consider Turcotte to be an untouchable prospect, or could he be packaged uh, or headlined as part of a, a package to acquire an Eichel, uh, a, a top defenseman? It. Because of Quentin Byfield's presence, I, I think if you're in the discussion of getting a Jack Eichel, that type of player, then then yeah, I think you could include him in a package that way. Um, I think Quentin Byfield's untouchable. I don't think you, that's the guy you're, you're trading out in a deal like that. I know mm-hmm. I've seen a few trade mock trades and stuff, and people are putting Byfield, and I'm like, please don't. That's, <laughs> that's not smart. That kid's going to be sick. Um, but yeah, Alex Turcotte, if he's the guy that it takes to get Jack Eichel, I think Jack Eichel is such an exceptional player that you, you do make that trade. Um, I, I know, like, I, I kind of always bring things back to the Leafs because it's always, like, the easiest things for me to uh, debate but or compare. But I, I look at the Leafs and people were like, oh, who's the untouchable in the Leafs? And I'm like, Austin Matthews. They're like, what about Mitch Marner? I'm like, Austin Matthews. <laughs> um, like Jack Eichel's that legit, like that legit of a talent that I'd probably trade Mitch Marner for him. Like it, it's he's that good, and I think you get that guy to Buffalo, and, and things are gonna pop because that place is uh, a bit of a dumpster fire, to put it nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say, you could say that again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure what they were thinking. Well, obviously I know what they were thinking, but uh, signing Taylor Hall, you know. Uh, not really working is what no. I'm saying. <laughs> like I, I think Taylor Hall's a good player, but like if like the second he signed in Buffalo, I was like, "You're not. What do you? Why? Why? Like everything, nothing makes sense with that move for him. Um, like him and Jack Eichel are very both puck dominant players, and I didn't think they were going to play well together because of that, and they didn't really. So like, it, it wasn't shocking to me. But now you have Taylor Hall on a separate line in a year he's trying to boost his value <laughs> and he's not. So yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe Taylor Hall signs a, a cheap $6 million deal with a team next year and he pops off again. Uh, well, uh, well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, from my vantage point, at least traditionally, if, if like a player's going to uh, drop off his first year, it's, it's usually the first year of, of a long contract. Uh, Taylor Hall uh, just signed the one year deal. So it's like, because uh, when I saw that, I'm like, I'm like, okay, he's really going to, give it his all in Buffalo, but that has not happened. Yeah. It's a weird situation because like I said, I I think he went there and went, I'm going to play with Jack Eichel and this is going to be awesome. Like it's going to be great. But like I said, I think they're, they both play a very, like they both like to have the puck in transition. They both like to get the puck up ice on their stick and and be the one that dictates play. 
And when, when you have two players on the same line that do that, that are the same style of player as well, you, you don't really get the benefit that you, that you think what you would get. Like the rare case that works is when you have the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner combination where one's the goal scorer and one's the playmaker. And it's pretty clear um, with Jack Eichel and, and Taylor Hall, it just didn't work. And, and now, like I said, he's playing on the second line with who knows the bums in Buffalo are. And, and it, it's just, it's terrible. Like I feel bad for Taylor Hall, but at the same time, I'm like you did this to yourself, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, uh, when the signing was officially or initially announced, I should say, excuse me. Uh, I, I immediately thought, okay, Buffalo is going to flip him at the deadline. And then I saw he had a no movement clause in his contract and granted he could still wave that, but I was like, what are they doing here? Yeah, that too. It's, it's so confusing. Like I, I think the no movement clause was smart for Taylor Hall in the sense that, now he gets to dictate where he goes. He gets to choose, hey, I want to go to Colorado. Hey, I want to go to wherever, right? Like, I, I think Colorado is the place that everyone kind of picks for him because they have tons of cap space. And, I mean, him with McKinnon would just be tons of fun. But sure. we assumed him We, we assumed him with Eichel would be a ton of fun too, right? So um, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I think if he ends up going to Colorado, I don't think he ends up playing with McKinnon because I think McKinnon has so much chemistry with Rantanen and Landish Cog. I think he ends up playing on the, that second line with Nazem Kadri, and I think that's a way better fit for him. Um, I would say that's a, that's a good problem to have if you're Colorado. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? And and there's other teams. Like, I, I've even seen Toronto rumored to get Taylor Hall, and I'm like, what the hell is Toronto going to do? Like, that, no, that's dumb. Like, I love <laughs> it. Don't get me wrong. But, like, it doesn't make sense. So I, I think that the no movement clause is Taylor Hall's way of kind of, hey, if Buffalo doesn't work out, I get to choose where I go next still. Yeah. Uh, one last question for you, Tony, that we're going to let you go. And again, I appreciate you coming on. Um, just the last question I want to ask you is if there were the, if the NHL draft were to start today, you know, the Kings would have approximately 15th or 16th pick in the NHL draft. All signs point to them taking one of the top tier defensemen. Who are you taking in that slot? Uh, at 15 or 14, I think you're going to be just out of the range to take one of those top guys. So I, I think Owen Power, um, Brant Clark, um, Simone Edvinson maybe falls. But I, I think you're you're maybe looking at a Carson Lambos there um, or a defenseman that I really like that I, I think the Kings would have a bit of more motivation to draft than any other team is Scott Morrow, who's a, a high school hockey player, which is a crazy, like I, I hate high school hockey. Let, let me get this out right now. It's the worst. I hate it. I, I think it's stupid to draft out of it out of the top 100 for any team outside of Scott Morrow though. He is the one exception. This kid's talent is ridiculous. He has Kale McCarr level skating. Um, he's going to need some refinement. He's going, but he's going to North Dakota, a, a school known for, to be a factory yeah. for defensemen. So I, I think with his ability to skate, his ability to move the puck, his ability to just absolutely dominate at the high school level to a point where he almost looks bored as he's dominating. It's, it's the situation where Quentin Byfield going back to the OHL this year, right? Like he's at a level like last, like Scott Morrow last year was the best defenseman in high school hockey in his draft minus one. So this year he's absolutely dominating it and it's boring for him almost like it, it's one of those situations. So uh, this is a kid that I think if the LA Kings were to get a pick in the middle of the first round at 14, 15, 16, um, that, that might be the guy because like the Kings have that advantage of having one of the, the deepest prospect pool in the league right now. Um, so they have the, the advantage of being able to go, Hey, you know what? 
we were better than we thought this year. We got to the 15th pick. Like we didn't go deep, but Hey, like we we were competitive and, and now we get to take a chance. This year isn't a great draft in general. Like I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's like, I look at the top three guys I have on my board and that's Fabian Lucelle, William Eklund and Matthew Beneers. And I go, they'd go like fourth or fifth, maybe next last year. Like I, I look at them and I go, I wouldn't take them over Byfield or Lafreniere at all. Um, I, I probably wouldn't take them over Stutzel or Raymond. So you're you're looking at that next tier of guys, right? And it drops off pretty quickly in this draft. Like after the top ten or twelve players, it's a bit of a, a sh- dumpster fire in terms of like there, there isn't a ton there, man. Like this year's draft, like you look at most of the projection models. Um, Byron Bader is one of the best out there that did, uh, does statistical projections for for the draft eligible players and. Um, this year's draft just rates so much lower than last year or the year before. Um, this year's draft really looks similar to the way we were looking 2017 or, or even 20, I think it was 2013 as well, or 2012, sorry, the, the, the Neil Yakupov draft where you look at the best player from that 2012 draft and, and maybe it's Morgan Riley. Like it, it's not really that great of a draft, but you got a bunch of good NHL players. Um, so in my mind, I look at a guy like Scott Morrow who has this insane upside um, this, this incredible tool set, the skating ability, the shot, the passing, the vision, all of it's there. Um, he's also six foot two, I think 200 pounds. Like he's got everything you look for in an NHL defenseman outside of the fact that he d- plays at the high school level. So if, if the Kings are able to take that swing there, it, it, to me, it's just as valid a swing as any other. Cause at the end of the day, I look at the guys who have the highest upside in this entire draft. And on the, on the blue line, if I'm not choosing Brant Clark or Luke Hughes, I'm probably choosing Scott Morrow. Okay. Interesting. Sounds good. Yeah. Oh, I can't ask for anything more. I think we covered it all, guys. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I agree. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Tony. Everything yeah, was great. Cool, guys. Yeah, it's fantastic, Tony. Thanks. Yeah, I told the guys, you know, they would learn more in a half hour than they ever would want to know. We ended up going like almost 53 minutes here. Yeah, so, oh, it's, that's probably sure. my fault. I talk a lot. Every time I plan a podcast on my own, I'm like, oh, yeah, this will be 45 minutes, and I'm in there for an hour and a half recording or something that's like that. That's all right. So. Oh, don't apologize for that. That's, that's yeah, all. that's a, outstanding. Outstanding, Tony. I can't thank you enough for jumping on with us. Uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll meet in the Stanley Cup Finals this year, right? One can dream. Yeah, I mean that'd be a great <laughs> Stanley Cup Finals. I would not complain whatsoever because if that happens, Quentin Byfield's probably on a heater and helping the yeah. Kings get there. And I am not going to complain about watching that. No, no. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Tony, for coming on. Uh, This was the fourth episode of the Hockey Royalty Podcast. Just want to thank everyone for listening tonight.